So, my message this morning is titled, It's Not Too Late. Uh, The last several weeks, uh, I've felt a stirring in me that we need to be reminded or we need to be told that it's not too late. It's not too late for the miracle Pastor John was talking about. It's not too late for you to see evidence in your life that God is a miracle worker, that he is a promise keeper, that he is a way maker. Several weeks ago, Pastor Al Robbins preached on what I was, but I am not any longer. You may remember that in his illustration of of running across the front of the sanctuary, where I'm not back there anymore. I'm heading there, but I'm not there anymore. I'm not that any longer. It's not too late for that to be your story. The following week, Pastor John went off notes, which is very rare for those of you that uh, call this Christ Chapel home. You know that. And he preached on remember. Remember where he found you. Remember where he rescued you from. Remember how he saved you. If if you don't have that experience to recount or to remember with God, it is not too late for that to happen because you're sitting here right now today. Last week, Pastor John taught on the kingdom of God. We are invited into God's kingdom You might find all sorts of ways to try to disqualify yourself and and rationalize away the call to salvation, thinking that it's too late. And I want to encourage you today that it is not too late. These sermons have stirred in me a prompting to share that, to evangelize in the marketplace when given opportunity. And when Pastor John reached out and asked if I would preach, I was like, that's the message right there. It was already stirring in me. I was like that. We have to be reminded that it's not too late. I feel like some of us become numb and hard and and I'm too far gone. It's too late. It is not too late. I remember how lost, depraved, and hopeless I was. But I rejoice now that I know and can say confidently that I belong to God. That I'm blood-bought, not by silver or gold, the blood of bulls or goats, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the eternal justification for me. If that's not your story, it is not too late. Today we're going to talk about three types of people that are on their way to the kingdom of God or either resisting the call to enter the kingdom of God. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you in this truth. It is not too late. Listen to me. Don't tune me out. Don't hop on your phone. God is reaching out to you to remind you what he has done for you, his finished work, and tell you it is not too late. I'm going to take a moment to pray for myself, and I ask that you would pray for me, that the Holy Spirit would... Uh, carry me through this message and bring clear, clear, clear truth to you today. Father God, I submit myself to your service, Lord. I know that there's nothing righteous or holy or awesome about me except that which you impart to me, Father. I pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint me with uh, the ability to speak with clarity, with an unction and conviction that stirs in someone the heart to respond to you. I ask that your Holy Spirit anoint their ears 
to hear your truth that the Father calls them, the Holy Spirit quickens them, and they recognize Jesus Christ as the only way to enter into relationship with you, God. I pray that over this next 30 or 45 minutes that's submitted to you, that, that you show up and show out, that, that you come in and prove your faithfulness to someone here that is doubting you today, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The first person I want to talk to you about today is the person that has rebelled for so long they feel there's no hope. People like me before I received salvation. People that, these are the people that fall into the it's just too late for me category. I want to start with a little background about myself. For those of you that don't know me, this is a little bit of my story. I was raised in church. I did not understand God's grace and mercy. And one disclaimer I want to offer you before I get into this message. Nothing I say today is intended to glorify sin. Nothing I say today is intended to shame you or guilt you. If you receive any of those things out of my mouth today, that is the deception of the enemy trying to keep you away from the truth of God's word. Do not be distracted. I did not understand God's grace and mercy. I, I just didn't. Uh, my, my dad, like many in the time that I was young, was a very strict disciplinarian. I didn't understand grace from a father. I, I, I caught children, can, you can teach them things and they catch things. So I caught a works-based theology. I did right. I was rewarded. If I did wrong, I was disciplined. That was it. That was, that was how I identified a father. And 80s preaching didn't help a whole lot with that ideology. So my, the way I conceived salvation and the way I processed it, I had to go to the altar, say the sinner's prayer, and then live perfect. That, that was the call, right? You have to live perfect after that. And I was constantly guilt-ridden. Because I'd leave the altar and I'd experience temptation. Or I'd falter and I would sin. I'd hear passages about not taking communion when you have unconfessed sin in your heart. So I would pass communion. I'd be like, uh-uh, I ain't drinking death up into me. You take that poison on somewhere else. I ain't doing it. I'm sure there's, there's something I didn't even remember to repent for. I done messed up. I know. I mess up all the time. I heard passages about how God would rather us be hot or cold. For lukewarm, he would spew out of his mouth. But I didn't understand the grace of God, that he called me home, that it was a free gift, that I could never earn it, that I couldn't do good enough, be good enough, act right enough. I couldn't be Christian enough, pious enough. Any of the adjectives you want to throw in there, I couldn't do it. I didn't understand that, that grace was just imparted to me, that it was a free gift of God, that Christ did what had to be done. The work was completed, and I was to walk in that. I didn't get it. But what I did know is that I couldn't do hot because it was all on me. I'm constantly messing up. And I didn't want to be spewed out of God's mouth. That sounded worse. That sounded like worst case scenario, right? So what's left? Cold. I'm like, well, I can handle cold. No big deal. I can do cold all day. So I walked away from God. That led to a decades-long rebellion that took me so much further than I ever would imagine. Left scars and limps that I carry to this day. 
that are now my testimony of God's goodness for preserving me through that period, carrying me through, shepherding me to the point where he would call me home and I would respond. The devil can use truths to deceive us. He is a great deceiver. Be aware and discern the truth. The truth that the devil used so effectively against me was that I couldn't do it. It's true that none can do it in their own strength, but we're not called to. In Philippians, Paul reminds us it is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that gives us the desire to do God's will and to carry out the things that, he, that please him. So it's only through the Holy Spirit empowering me that I can walk in that grace and do things that please God. But the devil used that truth. You can't do it. And beat me around the head, I felt condemnation and guilt. And let me tell you, those things do not come from the Father. Those are weapons of the enemy to keep you away from the truth so that the light will shine on you, that your spirit, your soul will cry out to the Lord, I'm lost. You will be quickened and your spirit is raised from the dead. Your spirit that is dead and trespasses in sin is quickened and awakened. When Pastor John shared on Remember, now this is, I'm going to share with you a little bit like how lost I was, how depraved I was, how the devil had convinced me it was too late because remember I've stayed longer than I wanted to. I've done things I never would have imagined, things I found abhorrent when I was younger, like, oh, I'd never do something like that. Yeah, hang out with the devil long enough, all that goes right out the window. He shared the remembrance of things he'd been delivered of, right? Some of the congregation, some of you shared as well. Things like sexual immorality, drugs, alcohol, pride, anger. As I heard these things listed off, it was like, check, 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 check. All of that. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I was wretched. Like five people done spoke up. And they ain't even touched my list. It goes on. Lying, cheating, continues. Goes on and on and on. The things that I did. I was like, wow, God. That proves how awesome you are, that you would take somebody like me, that you would call somebody that was so lost, so depraved with your Holy Spirit into the kingdom of God, that you would receive me, that you would have me as your son. That's a testimony to how good God is. I had a check mark but every, by every sin I heard, but it was not too late for me, and I want to encourage you today that if you feel that way, it's not too late for you. God had mercy on me. He called me home. He restored me. And through discipleship and relationship with other believers of like precious faith, I've matured. I've I more easily recognized the devices and weapons of the enemy when they come against me. I've studied scripture so that when they come against me, I have my sword. I can say, no, that is not true. That is not what the word of God says. And even when the devil brings half-truths, I can say, you're misinterpreting and misrepresenting the word of God. If he tried to trick Jesus that way, don't you think he'll bring it to your house? When he tempted Jesus, he said, doesn't the word say? The devil knows the Bible better than most Americans. We're walking around here biblically illiterate, wondering why the church is anemic, wondering why we can't stand up in prayer, wondering why the world's going to hell in a handbasket and we don't even see the handbasket. We don't know the Word of God. Nobody is committed to that. 
The first century church, we harvest these ideas about growing our church, worship, grow. Uh, There's five of them. There's five principles I forget right here now off the top of my head. But what we don't dwell on is the fact that they all came together with one mind in unity and they committed themselves to the teachings of the apostles. There's epistles all through the New Testament that are the teachings of those apostles and we don't crack a Bible. How are we going to stand up to the face of the enemy when the sword's hidden under the bed, dust all over it, ain't picked it up? It's a perishable skill. Anybody that is trained in combat knows it's a perishable skill. If you want to protect your home, do you bury your shotgun in the closet under everything else? Or is it sitting in the corner by your bed, sitting in the corner by the door, loaded, ready to go? If you protect your home that way, which is temporal and be consumed by fire, would you not take the same interest to protect your spirit? God had mercy on me and called me home. Paul has a similar story. Put a pin in Paul. Remember him. We're coming back to him. Paul's an awesome example. I relate to Paul. And, you, and if you think it's too late for you, let me encourage you. Read Paul's writings. Get to know who Paul was. You'll relate to him. In 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul didn't get to walk with Jesus through his three years of ministry. And he would tell you, I was knocked off my donkey, off my horse on the way to Damascus, to extinguish Christianity, I was an apostle appointed by Christ himself who stood on the road and said, Paul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. I'm the one you persecute. What do you want me to do? And you say, I can't come to you, Jesus. Don't you know what I was standing there holding coats when they slaughtered Stephen? Don't you know I'd have to start over? Don't you know I'd have to abandon all the confidence I have in all the achievements and religious observation of the law that I have adhered to for all of my life? No, he said, what would you have me do, Lord? So I pray today that if you're walking away from God, you're reminded that it's not too late. And when he stands in front of you, your excuses are never as ridiculous as they are when you hear them come out of somebody else's mouth. I'm too far gone. No, you're not. But I did this. I'm quickening you right now. I'm calling you right now. I'm not looking for your excuses. I'm looking for your submission. Come here and walk with me. Paul went on to write 13 letters in the New Testament. This chiefest of sinners. 13 letters that he written, that he wrote, are canonized in your Holy Bible. Chiefest of sinners. If it wasn't too late for Paul, it's not too late to you. God can use anyone to the, for the glory of his kingdom if they submit to his lordship and they turn to him with, with just an absolute abandon of consideration for everything else. His salvation is available to all that turn to him. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Your response may sound something like, you don't understand, I'm so wretched. 
Paul goes on in Romans, that's okay. In Romans 10, 13, he said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You might be wretched, but do you fall into the overarching category of everyone? Are you, an, are you a one of everyone? Well, then call upon the name of the Lord when he gives you opportunity, when he calls you home. Cry out. What about all the bad that I've done? You're not the first. Old Testament recounts that we have about five, 6,000 years of written human history. It's replete with people that have messed this thing up. What about all the bad I've done? Paul remembers the scripture in the Old Testament. When he writes Romans 3.12, he says, All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Okay, so none can do good, and everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you're not special. You don't get to hold on to that, I'm the one that God can't save thing. I tried to do that. I did that. Romans 3, 23 through 24, Paul continues this idea. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say anything in there about all are justified by living a perfect life up until the point that I call them. All are justified by living a perfect point, perfect life after the point that I call them. It says all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Bring it to the cross. Leave your excuses and bring it to the cross. You're not the first person that be, is beyond God's grace. We often hear here that... Uh, <clears throat> you're not the first person that God's going to let down. I want to offer you another idea to consider. You're not the first person that has a valid reason to stay away from God. You're not the first one. It didn't say, all that call upon the name of the Lord, everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord, except, insert your name here, because you are extremely wretched and I can't save you. That's not in the Word of God. And you don't have to earn it. You can't earn it. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that we should walk in them. So people are always like, well, I want to come to church, but I got to get my life together and all that, and you know, then I'll, I'll quit this and quit that, and then I'll come to church. Well, how many here would sit there and entertain the conversation when somebody's coughing a lung out, and you're like, they're pale, they're running a fever, and you're like, hey man, you should really go to the doctor. And they're like, well, I'll wait until I break this fever and get rid of this cough, and then I'm going to go see the doctor because, and I'll tell them what it was like when I was sick, and then... Uh, You'd be like, what kind of sense does that make? Jesus said plainly, I came to the sick. I am the physician. I am the doctor. I didn't come here to save those that think they're righteous and pious. I came here so that everyone can come unto me and they are all sick. You can't come up with an excuse that will exclude you from the grace of God. But let me offer, let me offer a warning. You can reject the gospel and remain on the throne of your own life. You're not here by accident today. 
God's word tells you that it's not too late. It's not too late right now. It's not too late today. If the Spirit is quickening you, if the Father is calling you, it's not too late to respond today. Another sober warning. There's coming a day where it will be. These are Jesus' words. In John 9, 4, he said, We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. The night is coming, and no one can work. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. If you think that it's too late for you, you're confused. You're helpless. You're like a sheep without a shepherd. And biblical precedent says God looks upon you with passion, compassion. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. None can come to the Father except through Christ and the Father calls them. The Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Why? Because night's coming and then you can't work anymore. What's that mean? There's an expiration date on this temporal life that we know. And if you're denying Christ and rejecting him over and over and over again, it is not too late today, but there will be a day where it is too late. Al recounted the story. Uh, I forget the relation. Grandfather, maybe. Outside the tent revival, kicking rocks. The pastor is pressed to come talk to him. He said, no, nah, you know, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just wait. I'll put it off. I'll do, do, do. No. When the Spirit of the Lord quickens you and God is calling you home, respond. Respond. Don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about what other people might think for you. You weren't embarrassed living in sin. You weren't embarrassed when you were on the throne of your own life. You were confident in what you did. You didn't make excuses. Don't make excuses for following God. The word of God is clear. There are parables. Lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. And we're not getting into all of that, but then you know what we are going to take away from that? That when the one was found, there was a greater rejoicing over those that were not lost in heaven and on earth. So we will rejoice with you. Nobody's here to embarrass you. And the kingdom of a God re- erupts with rejoicing and praise when you respond to the call of the Father and you come forward. When you receive salvation, when you lay it down and you walk in submission to Christ, it's not too late for you. You're not too hard and you're not the only one with a valid excuse. The second type of person has legalistically followed the doctrines and precepts given through the Holy Scripture. And these are people like Paul before Christ, before his conversion. He was trained under Gamaliel, Gamaliel, however you want to say it, a premier Pharisee. This is Paul in common terms. He was raised in an affluent family. He went to Harvard Law. He graduated top of his class. And he was on the verge of a uh, robust career that would have provided him a very comfortable life, recognition, fame, and wealth. That's where Paul was when he was called He was born a Jew in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, which is Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. He's confessing 
he's apostolizing, preaching to a crowd of Jews that want to execute him. I persecuted the way, that is Christ, and believers in the church, to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. I actively worked against God. I tried my best to stamp out Christianity, this heretical doctrine. I was living according to the law, and because Jesus didn't fit my expectation of a conquering king, he is no Messiah in my eyes, and the people that profess profess to have faith in him are heretical, and they need to be dealt with according to the law. They are blasphemous. What is the sentence for that? They are to be killed. This is the way Paul moves against Jesus. It's not too late. Paul was a member of the Pharisees. He proclaimed to be blameless before the law. In Philippians 3, 3 through 8, I got to put a little context in here because of where we pick up. Paul's speaking against the heretical doctrine that requires circumcision for salvation. Works of the flesh do not result in salvation. It is only through submission to Jesus Christ. He says, for we are the circumcision, the ones who are truly saved, because they're putting so much faith in circumcision towards salvation, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Anybody remember the first king of Israel? Saul, Benjamite. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He took that Harvard degree and threw it in the mud and said, you know what, that is not what my faith is in. My faith is in Jesus Christ, and this is worthless when compared to the surpassing value and worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In King James it says dung. So he equates the value of all of these things that he has done, the manifestations of his flesh and his ritualism and all of that, and says it's all worth poop. Now I don't know what fair market value is for poop today, but I can't imagine that it's appreciated in value much since the time Paul was writing. So you can kind of get that context pretty clear. All of this is worthless And it is only the surpassing value and knowing Jesus Christ that I put my faith in. Paul's letting us know there is no other way. We put our faith in God or we put our faith in our works. Jesus offers a very sober warning about putting your faith in works. In Matthew 7, 22 through 23, part of the Sermon of the Mount. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? All of these are works. They did. They did. Man central. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's terrifying. 
It's terrifying that many will be in that position. That many of the, much of the church is deceived thinking that if I serve on the worship team, that if I serve on the safety team, that if I serve on the greeting team, that if I teach Sunday school, I can walk up to the throne room of God on judgment day and say, God, here I am before you, and haven't I done great and mighty works for you? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And what is left for you if you do not receive forgiveness? Judgment. And we don't want to talk about that. Because that's hard. It's a dichotomous outcome for every person. We will all stand before God. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. And we will all stand before the throne room. And before the God is judge of our lives. Naked with nothing else to bring them. And if we come along with our works and say, God, look at this. Isn't it great? He says, I do not know who you are. When you come before God, it is, I am broken, a sinner, and I have no faith in anything I have done. But my advocate is standing right there, and I was bought by his precious spilled blood. And through him, I am seen as righteous. And then is, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we enter into glory to live with the one that created it all, where heaven and earth are consumed by fire, a new heaven and a new earth, and the resplendent, resplendent glory and radiant glory of Christ is so great there is no shadow and no need for the sun. But the other side of that is eternal torment and pain because we either rejected Christ or we put faith in our own works. Don't be deceived. The enemy is roaring lion, walking around, looking to see who he may devour. He's trying to deceive you, devour you. The Greek for that word means he sopped you up off the plate like biscuit with gravy when big boy sits down at Thanksgiving. I'm big boy. They don't even got to wash the dish. They just put that sucker right back in the cabinet and got the biscuit. That's what Satan's trying to do to you, devour you to that level. Don't be deceived. Guard against deception. If you are one that has been in church for 50 years and your faith is in the fact that you teach Sunday school and you mentor people in high school and you serve on different organizations, different boards, different outreach efforts, but you have not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you have not been born again, all that's left for you is judgment. But it's not too late. It is not too late. If you are here today, if you are online checking in with us, it is not too late. Brooke, if you would come, please. Finally, we have the person that has received salvation, has walked with the Lord, tasted his goodness, but you're in a valley, a place of spiritual dullness. We've all been there. Everyone sitting in this room, regardless of how long they've walked with the Lord, has been in one or all of these three categories. Period. You are not the exception. I've been there recently where I just feel like my, my efforts aren't, aren't getting the results I want. I'm, I'm not... I'm not in the word enough. I'm not studying enough. I'm not praying enough. I feel dull. I don't like it. 
But I know that God is faithful. And I know that his word is true. Period. God said it. That's it. I'm secure in my salvation. And I know that God will reign victorious. But we go through seasons, don't we? Where we miss that sweet sense in our spirit that comes with constant communion with God. There's so many concerns in life today. So many distractions. So many deceptions. They distract us from the glory, faithfulness, the peace and the joy that comes from communion with God. What are some of those distractions? Raising children, extracurricular activities, balancing finances, watching the rampant evil and compromise flood not only the world, but the church. Church, in some places, feel like they have to match the culture to attract people in. We're not called to be camouflaged. We're not called to have the right program, the right ideology, get somebody coming regularly, and they'd be like, surprise, gospel. That's not the call. Jesus said, go, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't be distracted. Recenter. Shift your perspective. It's not too late. If you feel dull this morning, it's not too late. It's not too late to recenter, refocus, and recommit. If you've been in church all your life and you've never laid it down at the foot of the cross, you've never been born again, you don't understand what that means, you've never walked in sweet communion with God, it's not too late. And if you're here today with, with the conviction and, and almost we wear it like a badge of courage, don't we? Well, I'm too hard. I'm too far gone. That stuff's wasted on me. I did. I was like, I know God's right. And I hate that I'm going to die one day because I'm going to meet him and I'll be judged. But I can't, I can't do that. I'm too far gone. I want to encourage you. <clears throat> you can't do it. That sounds encouraging, right? You can't do it. It is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that you do it. You can't just walk into the kingdom of God when you feel like it. You can't just walk into the kingdom of God when you got all your stuff organized and today I'll go and receive the gospel and receive salvation. You don't get to choose. If the Lord is working in you right now, if the Father is calling you and the Holy Spirit is working and quickening you and your soul is crying out, I invite you now to come to the altar and put it down before the cross to receive salvation, to be born again. For he that is set free is free indeed. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if God is working on you right now, if a conviction is stirring in you right now, don't delay, believer. Because it's not too late right now. Don't believe if you're lost. It's not too late right now. But there's coming a time when it'll be dark and none can work. If the, I just, I, I, to articulate it is beyond words. Because we're trying to bring divine truth into creature language, right? God's grace is so incomprehensible. You are not too far gone. I feel like there's somebody that needs to respond. 
Don't harden your heart. Praise God. <laughs> Rejoice, believers. Is not the kingdom of heaven rejoicing? Rejoice. If you've been in church your whole life and you don't walk with God in a submitted relationship as a new creation, I invite you to come. If you are dull and you want a revitalization, I invite you to come. The altars are open. Anybody that feels like they're not as close to God as they want to be and they want to take this time to consecrate themselves unto the Lord, I invite you to come, please. The altars are open. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to Him. I have a woman with each woman, a man with each man, please, to pray with them. Don't overpower their prayer. Just come alongside in agreement with them. coming into a church service thinking the reason I went was 
my mom was going, I said, if I show up at church, my mom was going to cook me anything in the world I want for lunch. And today I'm eating fried chicken, macaroni and cheese. That was the truth. That was all the spirituality of that Sunday morning. If I remember correctly, I was out the night before till about 3.30 in the morning. Nothing good happens after 11 o'clock, you know. The guy gets up, opens his Bible and says, reads the text. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Oh, come on. I'm thinking they done got on the phone and called him Sanders boys here, you know, pull out a sermon about John. But I knew better. It was like the Lord said, I didn't want you to mistake that today was for you. John, I don't remember what he preached about. But as an adult, I surrendered my life to the Lord that day because he went past all of the static and said, John, and I'm asking you with every eye open today, is there someone, male or female, mom or daddy, grandmother, grandfather, that if I were to ask you, how are things with you and the Lord, the closest to the truth would be, it, it's too late, that, that ship is sailed. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's your message today about it's not too late. And with every eye on you, you are man or woman enough to ignore or walk away from God. I want you to receive that gift today by repentance and humility. I hear you, Lord. Could it be that I was the miracle today, the miracle of grace? If that's you, I want you to come. But it's not too late. Where are you? Come on. If not today, when? Where are you? awkward is that we wouldn't care enough to wait come on all the prayers are bottlenecked parents grandparents people that have gone on to their reward have prayed for you would you bow your knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ it's not too late if that's you I want you to come Father, I thank you for today and for all those that responded to your word, for the cold and different person that said, I don't want to live this way, for the one that's surrendering everything to you for the first time, for the new believer that's disappointed in themselves for their failures. Remind them, O oh Lord, that when we sin, we do have an advocate. And if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Lord, thank you for every life in this room that knows what it means that it's not too late. Thankful today, Lord. We're thankful that you found our hiding place and rescued us in the last hour. Blessed be your great name. As we go out from this place, oh Lord, make us conscious of your person, your presence, making your word a priority. And may we see those around us and rightfully discern where they're at that we might give them the word of the Lord for that moment. We ask these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Before you leave this morning, let me remind you guys, if you plan on or are considering going to our retreat, we need you to go on the app and go ahead and sign up so we can have a number to make sure that the event will go on as planned. We need to know who's coming. So God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day today. Tonight upstairs in the grill, 6 o'clock, contending for the faith with Pastor Wade.